Welcome to the Intentionist Podcast, where we explore the interplay between intuition, spiritual health, and everything in between. I'm your host, Amy Schreiber. And I'm Hilary Zwallen. Our intention is to create a dialogue that inspires you to consciously forge your path with curiosity and compassion for life and its mysteries. gratitude for this process of being a part of the Intentionist podcast. There's nothing like reviewing all the amazing medicine that our guests have offered up this year to both you and I, Amy, and our listeners Mm -hmm. to reflect back on our one year anniversary, which is basically today, right? I mean, when we launched this time last year, we have done 46 episodes. We've missed a few weeks here and there with like world tours and all the different challenges and changes that we've had in our own lives, but we've done almost one episode a week for an entire calendar year. And it's just so great to to reflect back. So today we're talking about the top 10 concepts that really transformed us from our guests over this last year. And I was just thinking about where we were at this time last year, Amy, and how we were so nervous launching Uh that we had literally spent months recording test episodes, worrying about using our voices, worrying about what we wanted to talk about. And so hasn't this been a good practice of self-reflection and acknowledgement for really pushing through the fear so that we could connect with all of you people out there, our listeners. Um, So I'm just feeling very full. Amy, what are you thinking? Yes, me too. Yeah, it was really amazing to go back and listen to these episodes and see that what this process has really done for us is it's allowed us to connect with all these amazing people with so much good information and wisdom that has touched us. And then through the podcast, we've gotten to like put it out there and share it with everyone else. But just for us to be able to like encounter just information in this format and, and wisdom and healing, it's been really, really cool. I'm super, super thankful and happy that we decided to go ahead and do that despite all of our fears a year ago. Yeah. This is really a best of the intentionist episode and it was super hard to pick some of the best highlights that we've had because we've had so many amazing guests and we've tackled so many different topics. And so before we started the countdown, I really want to acknowledge all of our guests who have showed up and shared their story with us and just the whole process of anyone who's been involved. And and of course, I wanted to acknowledge our listeners, your comments and your emails and your DMs and your votes of encouragement have really helped us to push on and to, and it really fuels the fire and it helps us to stay on course. And so we have some very exciting things planned for year two. And so stay tuned, everybody. And with that, I say we get into the episode, Amy. Yes. The first episode and guest we wanted to go back to was episode 17 with Raven Haymond. And she talked about transition and tradition. The impact of story on personal growth was our title for this episode. And we're going to play for this episode, we're going to be playing clips from these episodes throughout. So here's the one from Raven. It comes back to story. The stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves and about our experience look at 
the stories you're telling yourself and really key into their true source, their true origin. So, you know, is this thing I'm telling myself, is that something that I actually believe? Or is it something that my mother said once when I was 11 and it stuck with me and now it's become a part of my belief system, but maybe I don't have to hold on to that. Maybe I can let it go. Mm-hmm. And birth has the potential, that space, like I talked about, of vulnerability, but also of great power, creates a, a potential for really closely examining a lot of those stories and beliefs. And, you know, if you dare, <laughs> um, taking it to the next step and and shedding the ones that no longer serve you and replacing them with ones that ring more true to yourself. And I think you see this in a lot of life transitions. It also happens, you know, with death. So in our in our society, we've really chosen to hide death. We prefer not to think mm-hmm. about it. Um, death happens in a hospital. We, you know, we treat dead bodies in a specific way that almost just continues a denial of of the natural process that is occurring. Right. Well, and just like with birth, I think that hiding it actually does a, a major disservice to right. all of us because it removes what is natural. So in birth, you know, so many times, most of the births that I attended, my own included, <laughs> you know, it was maybe the first time that these women or their partners had seen a birth, had been around birth. And when we do that, when we hide things and, and put them away and, and label them with things like shame or, or dirty or, you know, vile even, then we just deny ourselves the opportunity to really engage with them, to engage with the process, to understand it as something that happens all over the world. You think of other cultures where maybe, you know, a woman is supported by her cousins and aunts and younger nieces and and that the education that that brings and and a sense of cycle and and process that I think we by by putting things behind closed doors, we deny ourselves the opportunity to really key into that idea. We've chosen, you know, short-term comfort over long-term understanding. There might be some initial discomfort when we first encounter birth or death or separation or any kind of change. But if we make that a practice, then it it allows us to engage with deeper ideas that go beyond temporary comfort. So as you listeners can see, this episode was just full of amazing insights from Raven. And the part of her message that really struck me was just allowing these times of transition that we all experience to be the fertile ground for awareness that they are and to kind of let them show us the stories we're telling ourselves about our experiences and really examining whether or not those are helpful. It was just a a new angle on the quest for self-awareness. And she also touched on our cultural tendency to hide our most vulnerable raw transitions like birth and death and how this does such a big disservice to everyone by denying us the understanding that comes with engaging with the process. So I just, I really appreciated what Raven had to say about this. And she was a uh, childbirth educator. So there was a lot of talk of literal childbirth, but we also got into figurative childbirth as far as creating things and just any transition. So I, I was blown away by what she had to say about these things. That was a great episode. I remember basically transcribing like the whole thing because there was so much. I know you did. <laughs> there was so much good stuff in it in the, in the episode. And also I think what's interesting to reflect back on this is this is really a theme that we saw carry through throughout 
the whole year with the, mm-hmm. I feel like we really revisited those life, death, rebirth cycles. And she really is the one that kicked off that idea, really. And I remember her sharing about that Inanna myth and bringing that flair into into it. It's such a good episode, you guys. Go back and listen if you have some extra time and you want to dig through the through the archives. She's yeah. so great. Yeah, she was. And side note, that was my first interview that I did with someone I didn't know. So I was so, so nervous to, to talk to her. She was super nice, obviously, and it was fine. But like, I was just dying of nervousness to before this. So it was funny <laughs> yes. to remember. I'm always nervous before, even when I know people, I'm nervous. I know. Um, Okay, so the next episode we wanted to point out is episode 24, which was with Emmanuel Escamilla about exposure and resilience. It was from Olivero Road to Harvard. And Manny really goes into the details of his personal odyssey of growing up in extremely difficult circumstances on a gang-ridden street and eventually graduating from Harvard and starting this really incredible nonprofit called the Codex Program, where he teaches kids how to code. And he talks about, we talked in that episode so much about resiliency. And so he talks about what what makes the difference for him and what he thinks could make a difference for other kids in his situation. For me, the, the biggest thing that built this sense of resiliency is this idea of exposure. So being able to have a glimpse into a life that could be in store for me and something that was different than the life that I was currently living. And that was different from the life of others who were around me being able to really see that. And, you know, whether it be going to a college campus, whether it be going to a a different school in a more affluent area or uh, just little things, right. That for me was, was definitely life-changing, um, you know, and I do believe that in these rough areas in these, in these, uh, neighborhoods that have a lot of youth that, um, are kind of on the brink of falling through the cracks. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I believe can hurt them or that has, or that is the biggest threat for their resiliency is this idea of being underexposed, right? Is not really seeing the world, not seeing what's possible, not even seeing what's beyond the, the quarter mile that they live on. You know, I, mm-hmm. I tell a story of, uh, these two students or two kids who I tutored who lived on my block and uh, they had never been to the mall before and the mall was six miles away and they were in third and sixth grade. Just those types of things. You know, I really believe that if if somebody who's in those environments are underexposed, they'll eventually make bad decisions because they have the perception of there being limited options. Right. So they always will live in this prison of the opinions of people who look like them, think, dress and act, feel like them as well. Right. So they become almost enslaved to that perception of the world and that perception of themselves. So and then he also talks about the key to that he talks about curiosity and how if you're curious and always wanting to see what's possible, 
that um, then the failures, barriers, and things perceived as speed bumps don't really become all that big. And Manny's story, just his life is so inspirational. And I know him personally, and he's such a great guy. Hearing his story and his perspective and his groundedness as he's, you know, he really started off in a tough spot. It was a hard circumstance and he has risen so high. And he's just such a, really a testament of what's possible for people. So Right. And he, did he finish his bike ride across the country? I was following him for a while. He did. That was so he, cool. he went, he rode his bicycle across the country, started in, I think, San Francisco and went all the way to St. Augustine, Florida. And he was raising money for his charity. For and, the Codex, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's an amazing guy. So the story is great. And it's, it's a really great story of like, he really shares the whole story. So if you like the storytelling aspect, this is an episode where I feel like Manny really gets into the why and the how of basically overcame these difficult circumstances. And it's very inspirational. Yeah, it really was. I loved Manny's episode. And I also loved the fact that it was a little bit different because I mean, it seems like the majority of people we've talked to are women eh? and coming from a more alternative religious background. And Manny is a man and he also is very faithful in his Christian church. And so I liked another angle on these things. Yeah, I thought it was a great story to add into the mix. We've really been trying to be as conscious as we can about representation in our podcast and in our guests and in our topics. And so while we do skew a little more earth-based and yogic, I would say, it, yeah, it's it's great to have those other religions represented. So Yes. Our next episode that we are going back to is episode 20 with Maria Abad. And this one is called Tracking the Blue Deer about peyote mythology. And I actually interviewed her and it was in two episodes. So one of them was on yin yoga and this one was on the peyote mythology. But what she had to say was about connecting with nature. For me, I connect with the mouse with nature. For me, those are the deities. Because the more you learn about all these mythologies from anywhere in the world, all these are external creations of the man. An idol, woman or man, god or goddess, or mm-hmm. in my humble opinion, those are all man created. But nobody, I cannot say that about a plant, a flower, an animal, or another human being. So you, you just observe nature, that for me, it's, uh-huh. it's divine. I loved Maria's response to this because what I had asked her was, there's all these great, cool world mythologies with these whole pantheon of deities. And is there a certain one that you connect with? And she was like, nope, not really. And just to hear her reflect on the fact that nature is what we have directly around us, like this is what is here. And this is where I experience the divine. It really just struck me how often I walk around looking for some abstract concept instead of engaging with with what I have before me. And just the idea that divine wonder and spirituality is so close at hand, it, it can be directly accessed through nature rather than having to go through a metaphorical story that's pointing to something and that's then pointing to something else. And I think that things have a tendency to become more convoluted in that way instead of simple. And I am always in favor of simplicity wherever I can find it. So it just it gave me a bigger understanding of that tendency to go more myth route. And it also reminded me that I was reading the spiral dance earlier this year by Starhawk. 
And she had this appendix of notes 20 years later after she wrote this book. And she said something similar that she felt like she had been teaching too much meditation and not enough observation. Hmm. And that she'd been overly focused on this abstract and imagination type thing, where she's seen the value as she's gotten older of observing the immediate material world around us because there's so much here. So she's, so she talked about like fusing the worship of nature with observation and scientific knowledge, how that is, I mean, it's kind of a side note, but that's what listening to Maria reminded me of that. I love that concept. That's definitely something I've seen play over in my life recently too, just noticing nature and allowing nature to teach you the lessons and it's like right in front of your eyes if you just look and engage and it mm-hmm. doesn't, and it's not abstract that's what's interesting is it's like oh the leaves fell off the trees and it's that time of year again where everything dies that's right. not that's not metaphorical that's literal it's actually happening and what can we learn from that and i love all the myth and all the symbology and all anything woo woo right i mean i'm into it but i do think that there really is something to just being grounded in the present moment and allowing for nature to teach and it isn't that, that is really the beauty of getting all of these different perspectives and being open to hearing them without coming at it as like well i'm right and you're wrong it's great so yeah, i love i love how she said you can look at a story and like oh that was invented by a human and told by a human and like they all have their function but she can't say that a plant was invented by someone or an animal or another human being like these are the immediate mysteries and miracles of life that i think are so often overlooked in this discussion around spirituality anyways i loved going back to listen to that that's great And moving on to Danielle Bryan, which was, she actually, we had three episodes with her. She was episode 9, 11, and 12. And the little soundbite that we've got is from episode 11, where she's talking about the importance of a lineage and why she loves a living tradition. The traditional practices of the shamanic path that I walk are rooted in the lineage of the Incan traditions. And what does that mean, a lineage? It means coming into a body of wisdom and knowledge that has been passed down through the ages. And I love the terminology of a living tradition. Because the living tradition of this work means that it evolves with the evolution of our times. It evolves with the evolution Mm. of humanity. It's not static, right? It doesn't say these are the practices and principles and this is how it is for all eternity ever, ever more. Right. It it allows itself to grow and evolve and breathe and to be relative and relevant for the times that we're living in. So although within this tradition and this lineage that I am a part of, that I walk, I come in, I have come into it through initiation ceremonies, through the receiving of rites, we call it. And those rites are energetic transmissions that have been passed down from person to person to person for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, really. The Incan traditions and the path that I walk are said to be more than 5,000 years old. So as we come into this lineage and receive these energetic rites of transmissions, we enter into a 
web of wisdom and knowledge that it becomes accessible to us. So the reason that we are initiated into a lineage through these energetic transmissions and rites is that this body of knowledge, this pure essence of wisdom comes in and as a quanta of energy, and it comes into our field, it comes into our energy field and into our multidimensional self, our physical, our mental, emotional, our spirit body, our energetic matrix. So this quanta of energy comes in and it holds this wisdom that has been passed down through the ages that exists outside of time and space. And it, it begins to inform us. It begins to grow our energetic container or conduit, if you will, and allows us to access this consciousness and this wisdom. And so being part of a lineage or a tradition holds us in a body of knowledge that gives us access to these wisdom teachings. And there are many lineages and there are many different shamanic traditions. You know, the tradition that I practice rooted in the Incan practices of South America is one. There is North American shamanism. And each tribe of the North American indigenous peoples has their own version of what they practice as their lineage and what their wisdom teachings are and what their medicine path is. This was again, this was the episode that was about shamanism. So she was explaining shamanism. And I think there's a lot of people that don't necessarily know what shamanism is all about. Maybe they've heard of it. Maybe they've got preconceived ideas about it. And what she talked about was the importance of the living tradition is that it evolves and changes and grows with the time. And so we often talk about our resistance, uh, like you and I often talk about our resistance and questioning institutions and patriarchy. And yet even the earth-based and yogic practices have a lineage. And so Danielle really helps us to understand the basic tenets of shamanism and why that lineage can change and grow with the times and how that is how that can be a helpful spiritual path. Yeah, and we kind of touched on this in our episode last week about how having a container with tradition, with ritual, with teachers can be helpful in allowing you to dive really deep into certain ideas and the whole, as a comment on like just grabbing little things from here and there versus going deep into a system. I thought that she gave a really good explanation for why it would be helpful to mm -hmm. dive in. And, and again, and the idea that it evolves and changes that, that the shamanic lineage is designed to, it, it's an oral tradition. Uh -huh. And so it's designed to move and change and grow. Even though, in, you know, she uses the example that, that the rites and the, the ceremonies that she's participating in go back like 5,000 years, you know, mm -hmm. that they have evolved and changed to be adapted to what is for whatever's going on for the now. So mm -hmm. it's just, it's an interesting take on that. Yes. Our next episode is episode 23, Wisdom and Chocolate, Creating an Ideal Life with Kim McPherson. She talked all about intention and manifesting, and I really loved what she had to say about these things. 
Now I'm really into writing a story, like writing a script. Uh-huh. And I really got this from one of my mentors, uh, Peter Kelly. And so I've got, you know, I've written the script for around about four different areas of my life. And so I read that script most days. And it's really the story around what you would like to feel and to be. So I could have even written a script for something like something like this, something like this podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, and I could have said, I had an amazing time with Amy. I spoke clearly, you know, I felt incredible afterwards. The listeners got exactly what they wanted to out of that experience. So really just speaking things into the present moment. That's, that's Mm -hmm. one of the, the key things and really honing in on how you wanted to feel and how you want the other people to feel. So a lot of times we get, well, for sure, I, get a little bit caught up with how I'm perceived and it's not really about me. Mm-hmm. It's about what what I'm creating and, and how I'm serving and and what, you know, is actually happening in, like say if I was teaching a yoga class to really get out of my own nervousness, I would be like, okay, that's all about them. Mm-hmm. The people leave feeling light, feeling inspired and feeling like they've had a great class. So my discussion with Kim was so personally impactful because it directly addressed this kind of biggest struggle that I have with expressing myself, whether it's through the podcast or yoga teaching, which is just being totally preoccupied with how I seem to other people. So she, so her insight just really gave me an idea of how to take my ego out of it. And it really just solves everything as far as nervousness and anxiety goes coming at the work you're doing in the world from a less self-centered place. And so after this episode, I started writing and stating an intention before every interview and every episode modeled after the one that, that she gave. And it's been really soothing and really powerful to me to hear it said in that way. And it's really taken the focus off of how I sound, how I seem and it reminds me of this oracle deck actually you gave it to me and it one of the cards and it says if you get nervous focus on service so <laughs> just that that principle of like when you are not being caught up in this story about how you appear in the world it's you're actually able to help people <laughs> at that point I feel like her episode, I've heard from multiple people how impactful that was. This was this was one we got a lot of feedback about. I also think this episode, she talks about cacao, the cacao ceremony and gathering. And at the time, I remember hearing it for the first time and being like, that's really cool. And then I, when I went back to finish up my shamanic training with my teacher, Danielle, who we just mentioned, we did a cacao ceremony with these amazing women. And it was so intense and amazing and such a great tool for gathering. And I, you know, I, I think, oh, that was Kim's the one that planted that little seed and here it is. Mm-hmm. And now I drink chocolate all the freaking time. So <laughs> it's probably too much, but yeah. So, so she introduced that to us as well. So we love the well nurse. Yeah. And the other, the other thing that struck me about this episode is that it taught me about the interesting ways we kind of come to insights when we put an intention out there to learn them. Like when we called ourselves the Intentionist Podcast, that was an intention set to kind of explore and learn and master this idea 
that you can consciously and thoughtfully kind of craft your existence. So I thought it was so beautiful and appropriate that we would learn more information about this through one of our guests. I feel like we learn that from all of our guests. Don't you, yeah. you say, I feel like we're always being taught. This is, we're as much the student as the teacher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, Amy. I wanted to segue into episode 34. We had Sarah Kehoff. The title of her episode was Living and Letting Go. And we were talking about life, death, rebirth cycles. And she really took us through her journey of gut health, infertility, foster adopting three kids, building a nut butter business, and then letting go of it in our episode about this life, death, rebirth cycles. And it was really interesting. And, you know, also she's a content creator. She does, she does like everything. This girl does everything. Well, I think it's exhausting. I mean, I don't think that there's any use in pretending that when we say we do it all, that we do it all with ease and that everything just comes naturally and that it's this big, beautiful, you know, painting. Instagram, of, Instagram yeah, shot. <laughs> Instagram shot. I mean, because it, it's definitely not, you know, a lot of the things that I've started from a business standpoint have definitely not been successful. You know, I think that my greatest success has been adopting the three children because they came from a very, very, very hard death cycle for me, which was also how a gutsy girl began which is when you find out that you can't have the children on your own, you know? So mm. I do think that the children are probably my greatest success. So we recorded this episode way back in October. And the update I wanted to give about Sarah is that since, you know, and she really gets into the, the storytelling of, of this whole process. She talks about her foster to adoption. She talks about you know, kind of the struggle of seeing an opportunity, wanting to do it, knowing it wasn't the right time in her life, and then really trusting the path that she was on, which was, I need to set some time aside for motherhood right now and trust that the right thing is going to come to me at the right time. And what's been interesting, like I said, we recorded this back in October. She's a friend of mine. We, we stay in touch. And she has a, an Instagram account called a gutsy girl, as well as a website that she's had for a long time, but it is exploding right now. Like, it is totally going gangbusters. And she has been working for years on this. And now it's, it's really, she's like really found her niche and she, she's just like owning it. Like it's amazing. So I just thought it was such a cool thing to, now that we're doing this follow-up for people, if they want to go back and listen to her episode and see it's, it's really, it was a true life, death, rebirth now and, oh, yeah. and by letting go by being willing to let go of what wasn't working now she, it has led her down this path where she's you know really focusing her energy on all this new amazing stuff that's coming her way and it's a really cool illustration of what happens when we just kind of let it go right yeah and I loved how real she was about not sugarcoating the difficulty and pain and effort that has to be put into creating all of these things. I mean, like she said in the quote, it's not perfect. It doesn't, there's so, it's so messy behind the scenes. Like there's no use in trying to pretend that it's not. I liked that she said that because I think it's so easy for us to, to see these people doing all these amazing things and feeling like, wow, that just seems so easy for them. They make it seem so easy. And it's, and it's just not. No. <laughs> I appreciated yes. that about her. Yes. Our next one, Letty Cooper. We had two episodes with her, episode 26 and 31. And episode 26 was vulnerability and growth, the power of women's circles. I love what Letty had to say about 
truth and vulnerability and just self-awareness in general. So here's what she said. Truth does not always yield the pretty thing, Mm -hmm. but it does yield the better thing. So breaking up was probably in your best interest if you told your truth and you still broke up because that's what you needed. But I think the reason we're scared of it is when you give raw truth to yourself and to the world, it's unpredictable and you cannot control the outcome. Mm-hmm. We control the outcome quite often by giving these little white lies, smoothing over things. And so we don't live in our pure and honest truth. So when we attempt to do that, it is a scary thing because it means that you're going to just have to allow the chips to fall where they may, but you're going to stand in your own truth. So these two concepts from Letty and just talking to her in general really opened my eyes to a clear understanding of my own control issues and that my mental framework is heavily designed around creating false beliefs about control. Things all the way from if I refuse to see and acknowledge my flaws and imperfections, then no one will know I'm not perfect and I'll be more lovable. All the way to I can control people's reactions to me by strategically tailoring my opinions to what they will find agreeable. And I'm, I'm guessing that these hangups are not unique to me. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I was just, after talking to Letty and, and hearing her say that what truth gives you is just the truth. Like you're not trying to control, you're not trapped in this evil strategy that I think so many of us get wrapped up in all having to do with your self-worth, which was the second, the second episode was all about self-love. Listening to her just made me have a little more courage and faith in this whole self-awareness and self-love endeavor that we are all trying to do. I listened to this episode when I was on a bus and on my way to Glastonbury. And mm-hmm. I remember it was your interview. You had, it had gone live. So I was catching up on episodes on the bus. And I remember thinking that this one was really, I wanted to take notes with this one because she, she yeah, that the idea that just that we can control anything, you know, I mean, we, we can really just control our reaction to the circumstances around us. I mean, we have choice. I'm in the sense that we can, we can decide that we want to do this today or do that today. But you know, circumstances happen, there are reactions, I definitely find that through parenting, like as a parent, Mm -hmm. I'm really clear. I'm like, man, I really as much as I want to try to control my kids, like, I can't freaking control them. Like, They have their own agendas. And it's just kind of, you know, strategery. Right? 24-7 strategery. Yeah. The other thing from her self-love episode, she said that like, it's crucial for our self-love to be enough for ourselves. And this, after doing this interview, it kind of spurred me to write this huge long response to this random stranger in a Facebook group I'm a part of, that I don't know, because she put this thing out there about how she's, she's in love with this man who's not part of her religion and doesn't know what to do, this and that. So I having had experience that directly several times in my life, I told her like, yes, I get it. And that's terrible. But what you're looking for, the fulfillment you're looking for is not, can only be found in yourself, like it, not in a religion, not in a boyfriend, not in anything else like this self worth muscle, we have to develop it and not tie it to external changeable mm-hmm. things. Because that's I mean, that's all we can do. Amen. Uh, The next 
person we wanted to highlight is Remington Donovan. He was on episode 39 and 40, talked about the magic and mystery schools. And then he also talked about life purpose and numerology. And his quote, where he, he talks a lot about falling in love with the life that you have. As I just let it all go and just said, I'm completely in love with my life. Everything started shifting and opening up. So start there. You might be surprised how things can shift. And, and when you have a connection with your soul, it's going to line up for you. You know, it's, it's your ego is just attached to what you think you should be doing for money. And, but I think that's a key principle. Fall in love with the life that you're living. I, I've decided to fall in love with my life a number of years ago. Mm. And from that point, so much opportunity has opened up for me. But we can get into this rut of, oh, I'm a failure. I'll never attract a relationship. I have a stifling, crappy job. The reason all of those things seem horrible and stifling and really shitty is because you're not taking the time to get in touch with your soul. This is a new consciousness for humanity. And the teachings of what we call the Aquarian Age, which let's just, you know, I think most people probably listening are familiar with the new age and this and that. But overall, the main teaching is all the information kind of avails us nothing. What people are longing for is authentic spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. I think this is why we've seen this tremendous revival in, 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 in these sort of occult practices and tarot, even astrology, yoga, meditation are blowing up. Wellness industry is so big now. Spiritual retreats are huge. It's because people are longing for that experience. So I really encourage everybody listening why don't you find some tools and techniques that will bring you the experience of your soul? That's what you're really looking for. That's what you're looking for above. Oh, I have to have this job that does this thing to help people in the world. Like um, if you're having those experiences of your soul, you're going to go into work and you're not going to get so caught up and you're not going to care. And next thing you know, you're in alignment with the cosmos other opportunities can open up for you because, but it comes down to that. I'm in touch with my soul. It's always an inside job. Mm. What I loved about what Remington said, and he was another one that people love to hear from that, you know, people are craving these authentic spiritual experiences. And so by bringing, you know, yourself to the experience of the soul, it really is always an inside job. And so he, he talks about choosing to fall in love with the life that you have rather than sitting in the always wanting more and focusing on what other people have or what you don't have. And it was really just this attitude of gratitude that we've, we've heard before that is, mm -hmm. is somewhat like common sense, but it's like the way he brought it in was really profound. And, and it was, and it's timely, you know, the way that I feel like mm -hmm. He crafted the whole episode was so relevant to what's going on right now, collectively for people and what the way that we're all feeling internally with, with all the systems that are at play that we're all kind of mm -hmm. waking up to seeing all these systems that are at play. And, and he really brings in this, this concept, we, we kind of blow holes into this idea that your job has to be like what, like that, what you do for a living is your life's purpose. And right. that, that's really just not not true so yeah 
I loved I loved this episode because I thought it was a super interesting all of the numerology and astrology and Kabbalah ideas that he referenced throughout, which I mean, I always just love hearing about things from all sorts of different angles. And then, yeah, I love that you guys demystified the whole life purpose is so much bigger than what you may do to earn money day to day. Yes, and that is such a Western ideal. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Our next one is from Roxy Patino. This was episode 28, Action and Surrender, Ayahuasca and Actualization. So Roxy in this interview was a really long one. She shares her experience meeting the divine feminine basically while she was doing an ayahuasca ceremony. And so this is, this is a small part of that. And, and I thought, okay. And I sat back down and by then everyone else, you know, was kind of sleeping and I was kind of, you know, meditating and you know, with my intention and surrendering. And then I just felt this, like, someone come from the left side and just, like, embrace me. And I remember thinking, like, you know, mom? <laughs> but my mom is a tiny woman. This this being was not tiny at all. She was very large. And I was like, grandma? But no, my you know, my grandmother wasn't that large either. And I just knew like it was just this feeling of like real unconditional love and she said you know you don't have to cry anymore like your past is your past and that was that was it and she held me for the rest of the night and I mean it was just so for me transformational I didn't have my mom growing up she left so for me, that wasn't really an unconditional kind of love. Right. And um, I, I, I didn't have the grandmother figure mm. either growing up. So this for me was, was really, 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 it was transformational. So as I listen to Roxy tell me about her multiple experiences of healing and transformation and awakening throughout this entire episode, I was inspired... First, by the power of just human potential. But when she started speaking about encountering this actual divine feminine presence and feeling unconditional love for the first time in her life, I just had chills all over my body. I had tears running down my face. I don't know how much of this translated over just through an audio recording because we were in person for this interview. But the energy she was exuding during this time, while she was telling this, was just so powerful to witness. And it just filled me with, it filled me with wonder, it filled me with hope, it filled me with excitement that there's just all these tools for personal healing and transformation, and that when one goes seeking, you'll find what you need when you need it. And her whole story was a really beautiful illustration of that, I thought. It was a really, like, fabulous narrative. I think I remember that. And I, I think it's really interesting too, for us having come from a Mormon background where it's like, I mean, like, you know, just squeaky clean forever. Then, and then that there's also a lot of judgment when you're talking about substances or mm-hmm. using psychedelics or anything like that to hear someone's very raw, very personal. She was so 
open with her experience. And I think it did translate because I wasn't there experiencing the interview. Obviously, you interviewed her, but I remember listening to that episode and being just very touched by her story, her vulnerability, and really just a kind of peeking in to the window of ayahuasca. Because I don't, you know, there's a lot of people I think that are curious that may never actually do it, but I think it gives understanding to this this thing that's been a you know a part of a tradition for a long long time and has and there and people are fairly polarized about what they think about it you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah i so. love hearing her perspective is interesting uh education about it for sure absolutely our last person we're going to highlight here is lisa lister we did a double episode 37 and 38 about menstrual magic unlocking our cyclic superpowers and i think this by far was i mean People went nuts over this. And I know of like multiple friends who have read all of her books now and are just like, you know, like her concepts of actually working with our menstrual cycle were so foreign to me before I read her books. Mm -hmm. And now it's something that I'm incorporating in my daily life. I just can't say enough about these two episodes. So here's our quote from Lisa where she talks about working with our cycles rather than against our cycles. And so that working against us piece, don't let that be a thing that another thing that we beat ourselves up with, right? Because this is like such a beautiful opportunity for us to recognize that our menstrual cycle, just like the lunar cycles, the, the cycles of mother nature, the cycles of the seasons, the, the cycles of the cosmos are all intrinsically linked and are all part of our magical powers except that so many people have, and when I say so many people, <laughs> I'm talking patriarchal, patriarchy and patriarchal mm -hmm. systems, right? The systems that have been put in place have taken those powers, those cyclic, cyclic knowledge of ours, and they've put them in the dark. And then they've made us be very afraid of the dark and our connectivity to our bodies, to our menstrual cycles, to the cycles of the season have all been made like taboo. So when we talk about menstrual cycles, so many of us are in a place of pain and discomfort and disconnection because mm -hmm. we don't know the power that is held within them. And so our menstrual cycle is this incredible reflection of the lunar cycle and as, as above, so below. And in our bodies, we hold these codes. We hold these cyclic codes and the menstrual cycle is a beautiful tool if we let it and I totally get anybody that's like hearing this and going seriously Lisa there is nothing beautiful about my menstrual cycle like I get that like I was that girl too like please no I was that woman but when you recognize that each of like like the moon phases each each phase of our menstrual cycle and we do have phases it's not just about the time that we bleed each of them hold superpowers. So each of those phases holds a superpower in which we are able to come into a deeper connection with our body. So it becomes a map. Our menstrual cycle becomes a map of self-knowing that unfolds and unravels with each and every cycle. So every time we bleed, we're having the opportunity to open up to another layer of our own self-knowledge. And then when we know that, we don't need self-help books. We don't need people telling us how to show up. We start to recognize the, the, the cyclic nature of our body. And then we start to recognize it in the moon. And then we start to recognize it in our surroundings. And then we realize that we 
are that direct, you know, we are in direct connection and we are the direct reflection because we are her and she is us. You know, this was one where we were, you and I had both read her book and we were really excited to have her on the show. We had like technical difficulties and then we both got to interview her and we were like so excited about it. But yeah, everything that she says here was so what else do you say? But like, just go listen to this episode. This is one where everyone just needs to go listen to both of them. This is one that I've actually listened to like five times because of how clear of a teacher she is. She's so good at articulating what needs to be said. And she also does, I wanted to just put this out there as a, like a testimonial, but I've done her, she is lit classes. She has online courses that she does and she's just so good. So Go check her out. <laughs> yeah, she's really, really good at bringing these concepts into like, oh, this is what it means in practical everyday life. And no, you can actually connect to your menstrual cycle. Like this is this is real world stuff. This isn't theoretical, untouchable stuff. Like this is very get your hands dirty type information. Literally, but, yes. Literally. <laughs> but, which is so helpful because I, I mean, especially with the conversations we have, we're so interested in how do we integrate these abstract concepts into daily life? Like what is helpful? What is useful? And I felt like so many of her ideas and her practices were just really, really, really helpful. She really does do a great job of taking pretty high level concepts that could be the books I've read are written by like PhDs and, and the, the language is very academic. And she takes these concepts and it's like you're hearing them from your girlfriend or your sister, you know, just like your best friend's telling you about it. And so you're like really getting the message. And so- mm -hmm. Oh, so great. So great. Amy, that is our top 10. What the yes. heck? We are so incredibly thankful and amazed by this experience we've had during doing this podcast this year. I can't believe it's been a year already. I know. I can't. I can't and I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been a big year. A lot has it's happened. It's been a lot of work, a big year, but it's so it's been so worth it. And yes. Yes. So we thank you all listeners for for listening, for engaging with us. We are working on some exciting new things which we'll be announcing in the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. And we really, really appreciate all the feedback and engagement we've been getting. So if you're enjoying these episodes, please share them and continue to reach out for us. We love to hear from you. Yes, and it really does help us to find and help other people who are maybe on the same path as we are to find the work that we're doing and the work that we're trying to put out into the world. So we, we do really appreciate you. We, we really recognize that this new way of integrating and, and living in the world is a lot more about interdependence and, mm -hmm. and it's really about community building. And so we appreciate your efforts and your support and anything that you can or will do to, to help us in our mission. So yes. thanks. Thanks for that. Before we part, we'd like to say thanks for listening, and we hope you'll connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We would love to hear from you and appreciate all feedback, shares, and likes. To learn more and subscribe to our newsletter, visit intentionists.com. And no matter where you are or what you're creating, we send you love and invite you to breathe and begin. See you next week.